Welcome to the Smart Tech Check Podcast, hosted by Mark Vina, your home for candid, insightful, and provocative conversations about the smart home, home automation, security, smartphones, PC and console gaming, and much more. Hi, everyone. My name is Mark Vina, host of the Smart Tech Check Podcast. Today is Friday, January 13th, 2023, uh, first podcast of the year. Uh, joining me for today's podcast are Stuart Walpin, who scribes for Popular Mechanics, AARP, Techlicious, Investopedia, and other terrific publications. John Quain, who writes for the New York Times, Smart Cities, and Tom's Guide. And good old Rob Pegarero. We're going to make a few jokes about his appearance at CES in a few moments. He doesn't know about this, but it's going to happen. Who <laughs> writes frequently on tech policy for Wirecutter PC Magazine and USA Today. Folks, how are each of you doing today, and how, is, how have you all survived? Stuart, you didn't go to CES, but have you all survived getting back uh, from CES? Barely. Rob, I'll, Barely. Start with you. I'll start with you, Rob. Yeah. Good. Uh, you know, came back with a bit of a cold, which is actually industry standard. Not COVID. <laughs> have tested negative twice, in case somebody was asking. Uh, it was good. It was exhausting. It was tiring. My feet hurt worse than I expected, which I guess is a sign of my advancing age and obsolescence. And John, have you? Uh, did you survive? I did. Uh, you're, I you're, in the, you're in the country, so things must be okay. Yeah, I finished it off with a uh, a ride in a 1968 uh, Eldorado Cadillac convertible to the airport. That uh, to get my last demo, they picked me up at the hotel and drove me to the airport in the car. But this this it was for Hollow Ride, which is a VR that you can attach to any vehicle, and it, it prevents it can kind of prevent motion sickness. But this Cadillac had no seatbelts. I forgot. So it was a weird experience going to the airport like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, Stuart, you were very lucky. You didn't get a chance to go, which I don't really – actually, I'm I don't joking. know how lucky it was. I had a severe case of FOMO. I mean, I was, I, I was glad to save the money. I was glad to save the wear and tear because, like Rob, age is not making this any easier, especially since you have to be on your feet 16, 18 hours a day just to break even on the expenses. Um, But I still suffered. John and I were on the phone uh, on a Zoom call with a couple of other of our uh, Techlicious compatriots compiling our best of show stuff. And I, you know, I could see the background of, of the hall that they were in. It was all very familiar. And I, 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 I don't say homesickness necessarily, but I certainly miss, <laughs> I miss being there. Yeah, it's well, true. We were on that. You too, people. man. Yeah. They, they got a decent crowd. They got 150,000 people. I'm always yeah. a bit wary of the numbers, by the way, because, you know, the, the, I mean, it's, it, it's in, the, of course, the show's best interest to show a big, big number. And uh, I um, so the hundred fifteen thousand might be a bit of a rounded up number, but if it, it felt, I don't know, I don't get John and Robin European. Uh, it kind of felt like porridge, you know. wasn't too cold, wasn't too hot. Felt kind of right, you know. My my metric, completely unscientific, was how long it would it take to, uh, for me to get an Uber ride, and consistently Uber rides are <coughs> less than six or seven minutes. I mean, they would hit traffic, of course, when they get uh, get into the right. strip, but. Getting an Uber wasn't wasn't too bad, and uh, from what I understand, getting into restaurants weren't too bad. But you know, uh, Rob, what was your gauge? Do you think that uh, did you like the uh, what you saw from an attendance standpoint, or do you think it was? Um, that was interesting. One hundred fifteen thousand seems like a lot, and in the context of most other events that we go to, it is a lot. 
in CES terms, the last time it was that low, I, I looked it up. The audited attendance for 2009, when the recession poleaxed a bunch of companies who just didn't show up. They paid for their space, but they said, keep the money. We're not sending anybody there. And right. and that seemed much emptier than I remember this year's one being. Maybe it was just because they didn't use the South Hall of the Las Vegas Convention Center at all. Uh, otherwise, yes, it seemed as busy as ever. You're right, getting around was a little more efficient. Like, I was sure the Vegas loop, the Tesla's in a tunnel thing, to get you from one end of the LVCC to another would be just break down under traffic. Nope. It was efficient as, as it was last year. That's one thing I wanted to do. And I just oh, you should have. It. Pretty cool. Uh, I, 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 I've been told it's pretty cool. And very, very quick, too. It's not like it's a 20-minute ride. It's apparently very, very no. quick. I understand. It's not. It's not particularly cool. It's kind of really old school. Like it's super old school, right? In a way, and, and all the fun I made about it, you won't like it. <laughs> you're right. Like all the fun I made about this stupid thing because it doesn't really go anywhere and stuff. I used it. I counted seven times at Las Vegas because it zipped you from, you know, as Rob said, from the, the central hall basically over to the west hall, this new hall to the other end of it. So it was really quite a distance, but it's just a Tesla driving in a really small tube. Like the, it, right. it looks like the size it's, of it's like, a human-driven Tesla. Let's point out no full yeah. self-driving to uh, <laughs> right. chance your your life with. No maglev, no nothing like yeah, that. Yeah. It's like these humans pull in, and it was it was fine, but it was also free. We must point out the reason right. we yeah. were using it was because it was free. So it was. It was an uncrowded, free, free but wins. it's weird. Free, free wins. Yeah. yeah. It's still well, weird. Let, let, let's jump into the topics itself from a technology and product standpoint. Yeah. I'll, I'll start up with, you know, kind of things that jumped out at me is that, um, you know, very broadly, uh, obviously EVs were huge, you know, lots of interesting um, demonstrations and new uh, car concepts out there. I think an underlying theme, and I'm sure John will comment on this, but it was interesting a lot of ingredient companies out there with technologies that were only fo were specifically focused on optimizing battery technology uh, in EVs. Because for those who don't know, and obviously all of us are, are, uh, know this, is that the modern day EV consists of you know hundreds of subsystems, and very often those subsystems are not made by the same manufacturer. They're working independently. They perform some type of critical function. Yet anybody who knows anything about um, optimization, if you don't have an architecture that kind of sort of, you know, makes every make like like a conductor in a symphony, make sure that everything is working in an efficient manner, because all of those subsystems don't have to be active all the time, and if you can make some of them sleep or be more efficient, you can really impact overall um, uh, energy efficiency. Infineon is one, uh, and uh, um, a company. Uh, uh, they're really focused on that category, and they were uh, demoing some interesting uh, capabilities in that area. Um, I didn't see, you know, the thing that was kind of disappointing, I think, Stuart, you'll chime in, probably chime in this, is that while Matter was all, you know, all over the place from a signage standpoint, I didn't see a lot of product demos. You know, I, there, were, there were some demos out there, but they <clears throat> were few and far between. Um, and just to layer on top of that, I was in Best Buy yesterday, and nobody at the at, at the at the uh, at the um, in their smart home section knew, knew what the hell matter was. So that's a little bit of a that's a little <laughs> bit of a disappointment. So matter still is kind of was kind of a, sh a note show in my view. Um, and uh, 
I guess the other, the only other thing, you know, AMD made a lot of noise with uh, their new um, processor announcement that competes very eff- effectively with um, a small nanometer solutions that will make them make it rival with uh, Apple Silicon. But that was kind of, I think, interesting news. And in that, I, I mean, I, I'll say this over and over again: if, if you had told me ten years ago, AMD and Intel would would have flipped their positions in terms of re- relevance, frankly, in the marketplace with interesting technology. I would never have guessed it, but, you know, Lisa Seward AMD has done a remarkable job. So at a high level, those were the kind of the three biggies that I saw. John, what uh, what did you see? Uh, there was some of that, um, you know, subsystems. Panasonic is another company trying to make EVs, you know, more efficient in terms of the subsystems you're talking about using power. One trend I noticed is, you know how we all get these, you know, where you were five years ago kind of things. And I realized that five years ago at CES, I was in autonomous vehicles almost day and night there. I was driving around the city with nobody in the front seat. That was happening a lot. This time, not a single one, right? Not a single autonomous vehicle like that driving around. I think Motion had some, but they didn't respond to queries. Most of these companies didn't respond to queries. It's just kind of not there right now. There was a lot of EV, Mm -hmm. interesting EV stuff. and a lot of technology that should be in autonomous vehicles. So I did take a lot of rides around in that, but not a lot of that. Um, in the TV area, you know, we still don't have micro LEDs, which is the next technology that we're all kind of waiting to see. I mean, it's there, but it's not in any kind of form that any of us can afford or make practical for someone's living room. What I did like in that area that I wanted to mention, because it sounded, again, like a silly idea, but then when I saw it, I thought, it's actually pretty good. <laughs> was wireless TV, LG's wireless TV. They call it Zero Connect. And what they basically mean by one plug, it needs power. But everything else that's connected to your TV goes wirelessly from a box that you can put anywhere in your living room. So that really made a lot of sense when you start to see how big these TVs are and trying to hang it on a wall or install it somewhere. This made it a lot more practical and easier to do. Um, unfortunately, it's a proprietary technology. It's not something they're going to put as a standard or something, but uh, that was pretty interesting. And the other trend was all the healthcare stuff. They're really getting, I don't want to say invasive, but, you know, it started with, you know, measuring your heart rate and things like that and tracking that and how many steps you did. And now we're up to daily urine tests at home. via you I know, saw that demo. Not, and, I saw that demo. <laughs> and, and that wasn't just one company. There are at least three companies doing this. And they're like wireless thing you put in your toilet and it automatically like tests your urine every day for, you know, a month or two, up to three months before you have to replace it. Don't really want to replace that device, just saying. Um, you know, but that's... Now we're getting into like a lot of personal data, right? So right. it's interesting to see how how extensive that stuff is really, how much the healthcare area is really advanced too. So uh, I think we're just going to see more and more of these kind of at-home diagnostic devices. Before we uh, flip over to Rob, um, you know what's interesting is that Synaptics, a company that I worked with years ago, um, you know, to support what you said about wireless connectivity, they have a lot of interesting um Tech, you know, they're an ingredient company, and they've got a, a lot of interesting technologies enabling wireless docks 
you know, and by extension that you could that, that uh, you could enable wireless TVs as well. But you know, if you look at my setup right now, I've got a, a great anchor dock. I've got wires. It works great. I love right. it. I couldn't live without it. But it looks like an octopus of cables behind my um, laptop. And yep. one day we're going to get to the point where you have one cord and that's the power cord, and everything else will be wireless. You know, and okay. hopefully that's that's the promise. Um, but Rob, I, when I saw you for the first time, you were um, you were I'll put I'll put air quotes right. You were interviewing Paula Abdul, and I was unfortunately I wasn't uh, I wasn't quick on the draw to get my camera and get some pictures of you and Paula, but uh, which have certainly would have been posted on Facebook and, and Twitter. But I didn't do that. No uh, doubt. <laughs> you, uh, I, I, I'm uh, pleased to say she looked uh, surprisingly spry for someone who's not pitching. I think she's pitching. Um, Virtual glasses, if I'm not mistaken, smart glasses. Bluetooth no. audio smart glasses, oh, which yeah. is actually, so I'll talk about that first. Uh, <laughs> yes, Ms. Abdul was at CES to show off her, um, her line of fashion smart glasses, which basically think of Bluetooth hands-free kit without the dork factor. So speakers here, there's two microphones, and other people have done this, like Amazon has had its own line of glasses. Uh, there's... There was another company at the exact same reception doing a similar thing. Obviously, I was not expecting to run into any into 80s pop stars, although after this many years at CES, I probably should have. You never know who you're <laughs> going to run into. But that's not the trend I'm going to talk about. I am going to mention sustainability, which, as I just wrote about for Fast Company, there was a lot of attention to this. It was really interesting to see at Samsung's press conference and at LG's how much time they spent talking about things like driving down power consumption, using recycled materials, uh, companies that are bringing out products just to do things like properly electrifying your house. Schneider Electric has a, basically a smart electric panel that you can put in to replace your, your dumb one, your feature panel, that will let you track the energy consumption of all the appliances in your house. You can add on to it. It's sort of like a Lego, I guess. You can add on yeah. smart outlets, uh, a whole home battery, an electric car charger, uh, lots of stuff going on. And of course, the Inflation Reduction Act is going to bring a bunch of tax credits to help support these upgrades. Uh, obviously, all the, the renewable energy solutions being thrown around, the electric cars. Uh, Stellantis, the company behind Dodge and Chrysler, they used an entire keynote to basically say, we're not as far behind as we look, because they, they are horribly far behind everybody else. Here's yeah. this great concept Dodge Ram truck, which will be on the road, and I think, in 2025. Uh, you know, we're putting all this money into building these battery plants, five of them around the world. Uh, it was a much different focus from past CESs, and I, I guess that's why they don't call it the Consumer Electronics Show. It's just CES, and you can have the C, the E, and the S stand for whatever you'd like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the Schneider saying. Electric stuff was very, was very, very interesting. Um, and, I, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of writing a piece right now that talks a little bit about the disappointment that I saw from a smart appliances standpoint, um, and I won't get into it here, but I think what, what Schneider is doing is very interesting because in, in a sense, you know, you're storing all this power if you've got solar panels and these batteries that you can put in your unit. And who doesn't like free power? Free power can really do a nice job of kind of um, offsetting whatever uh, costs you, you're, um, you, have, you require from your main um, utility company. But it, it, as I'll explain in this article, I still think they've got a long way to go in terms of, not, not Schneider specifically, but the industry in terms of changing consumer behavior. And, I, and, and from an appliance standpoint, I still don't see that yet. Appliances are great. Hey, I, I know that my LG refrigerator, I opened up the door 35 times last week. 
but it's not necessarily <laughs> telling me with my smart dishwasher, hey, if you wait three or four hours to wash your dishes, you'll save a dollar fifty. To me, that's real progress because it's changing your behavior. But that's neither here nor there. Um, Stuart, you were the online guy. What did you kind of see that jumped out? Yeah, jumped well, out a you? couple of comments on what I've heard already on the matter side. I think a lot of what was going on with matter was behind the scenes, more or less, because a lot of these companies are still developing their products. The, the CSA people are still developing the marketing materials. So the fact that you went to stores and salespeople at the Home Depot didn't know what you were talking about, I, I'm not surprised by that because the big rollout hasn't really happened yet. My guess is we'll probably see that in, in next month or in March, uh, which is or even April, which is much more of a home improvement season for these people. And you'll see, I think, a lot of people doing everything at the same time, and there'll be a much more visible market push probably in the early spring. Um, mm -hmm. On John's Digital Health, I saw a lot I did not see, but heard about getting emails from a lot of these digital health. But it's not only on the diagnostic side. I think it's important to understand that a lot of these companies are trying to coordinate with health facilities and doctors and create not only a system of diagnostics, but uh, monitoring. Uh, and monitoring, I think, was a big theme in the digital health stuff that I saw so people can recover at home, save hospital room costs, um, and um, and make sure that they're getting the care they need without the expense, essentially. So I think a lot of what these companies are doing are not only diagnostics but monitoring um, for ongoing care. There was a lot of things for hypertension, and that was all tied in with EKG and, and blood pressure and blood oxygen. So there's a lot of, I think, at-home monitoring stuff going on in the digital health. Again, a little bit under the radar because, again, a lot of this is behind the scenes. One of the other themes that I thought I saw, at least that CE, CTA itself was pushing, was AR, VR, and the metaverse. And, again, I think a lot of this is back, back room kind of stuff because I think a lot of corporations are investing in metaverse kind of technologies. How they'll manifest itself in the real world is probably not on the consumer side or consumer device side necessarily. But Sony took time out from their usual hawking of the creative stuff to talk about the Sony PlayStation VR 2 headset. Um, HTC made a big deal of Vive. Uh, TL, uh, TCL uh, made a big deal about their new VR headset that's going to have external cameras so you can switch between virtual reality and the real world. Uh, and obviously, during the course of the show or right after, all the rumors started flying, which we'll talk about in a minute, that Apple is going to come out with their AR VR device sooner than expected. Now, whether or not any of this actually ends up taking hold in the consumer marketplace, and I am I remain cynical about it only because people just don't like putting things on their head in the mass market uh, over their eyes. But the industry seems to have a renewed interest in the AR, VR area and from major companies other than Meta. Right. And, yeah. and we're going to get into that in a few seconds when we talk about the, some of the metaverse stuff. Is it, going to be a bit, is it going to be a real deal finally in 2023? And we'll follow up on the Apple stuff. Um, and actually, that's probably a good pivot point. Why don't we, why don't we get into the uh, why don't we get into right. the Apple stuff right off the bat here? Uh, you know, I, you know, Stuart, you kind of said it. I'm going to probably make a few comments and then turn it over to you. You know, 2023 is already kind of an interesting year for Apple because they delayed some uh, some product launches that uh, they haven't refreshed their their MacBook um, uh, Pro notebooks with uh, their new Apple M2 Silicon uh, yet. 
Uh, there's rumors that the performance has not been up to snuff. It's marginally faster. Don't know if that's true yet. Got to see if that, but apparently they have um, the the issues with that, their silicon is parts of the delay the introduction of these new notebooks. There are rumors that they are going to um, finally get into the uh, AR, VR classes space. Um, and uh, well, you know, my personal view is that the industry needs that simply because Apple will, will legitimize that space. I think they're going to find the right usage model, you know, that, hey, these glasses might be 2500 bucks or 3000 bucks, And, uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, they're, and, I'm, and this is only my conjecture, but I think Apple will go after some type of mainstream usage model, probably some type of AR, VR version of FaceTime, because everybody does FaceTime. And I think you would get a lot of families that says, you know what, if I could put these these things on my head in the privacy of my home and 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 have a virtual FaceTime call with a family member across the uh, country, that and if it's done in a in a, in a, um, a, a, a non um, you know amateur hour type of way, I think they may have something there. But I think the industry needs Apple to do something because, to your point, um, Stuart, there's just a lot of you know a lot of people playing a lot more renewed interest, but still it's a very niche space, you know. Well, it's like I said. Historically speaking, the one technology that has never seemed to really take hold in the mass media is personal eyewear. It just, this has been going on since 3D in the 1920s. People just don't like putting glasses or something that covers their eyes. It's just historically, there have been three attempts at 3D, and that's in the movie theater where you can only wear them for two hours. Um, right. So I think you're right that Apple would might be the one company. I will remain cynical. There's just a century of history where people just don't want to put stuff on their eyes. I don't yes. know what it is, and I've tried to do some research on this from a psychological <laughs> point of view and haven't come up with anything, but I, it's hard to fight with history on this in that every time there's been all these, per, over the years, all these personal theaters, Epson has been pushing it for a long, long time. It has just never taken hold in the mass market. It just hasn't. If Apple manages to do it, Excellent work. Glad to see it. Um, I think the virtual presence, virtual tourism, I don't think an advanced version of FaceTime is going to do it. I think virtual travel and those sorts of things w would be, quote, unquote, a killer app, especially for the mass market, because you'll have a lot of the baby boomers who, like myself, don't get out as much as they'd like to or used to. That could be a compelling uh, usage case. But it, you're, they're going to have to prove to me that the mass market wants to essentially blind themselves for even a brief period of time. I, it's just something that history has not borne out to, to uh, uh, for a usage case usage case model. Yeah. So on the other thing on the, on the Apple side, um, they've lost a trillion dollars in value over the last year, and a lot of that was because of all these production problems that they're having in China with the iPhone. So I think all of this effort is the VR effort, the talk of a touchscreen finally coming to MacBook. I think all of these are meant to, I don't want to say distract necessarily from the iPhone issues as far as investors are concerned, but to diversify not only their, um, their product mix, which they've really haven't been successful at over the last decade that the iPhone has dominated half of their revenues, but also to, to help speed up the diversification of their supply chain, which is going to take a decade or more. 
So I think Apple is going to be doing a lot, is going to be throwing a lot more things at the wall in an attempt to regain some of that market value, regain some of their momentum. I don't know if you noticed just today, Tim Cook's compensation got cut by 40% because of the the trouble that the company has been having lately. My heart breaks. Yeah, my heart bleeds for him. Yeah, I I understand. But I think a lot of, a lot of the, Rumors that we are hearing of the iPod, uh, AirPods Lite, uh, a new, less expensive HomePod. I think a lot of these are an attempt by Apple to diversify away from the problems that they've been having with iPhone production. Um, and so I think that's why we're going to get AR earlier than they were talking about 2025 for this AR, VR thing for Apple. Yeah. But, but, well, but Rob, I want to pull Rob into this. Is that I want to get his thoughts on where he thinks Apple's going uh, this year. But Truth of the matter is, is that the, the, the even putting the supply chain issues aside, the smartphone category, especially high end category, it, it's slowing down. Yep. I mean, it's, it's not a high growth market. You know, it, you know, it's growing at you know a, a single digit percentile. Not growing and, at all. You know, and, and yeah, and the fact of the matter is, is that you put you wrap saturation. Well, yep. you wrap supply chain issues around that makes the situation even worse. And everything you just talked about, Stuart, with the exception of the ARVR stuff, it's all rinse and repeat. New AirPods, they haven't refreshed the AirPod Maxes in two years. You know, maybe they do that, but that's not going to move the needle in a big way. So, Rob, what's your take and where do you think Apple's going? You think it's more rinse and repeat or do you think they finally do something a bit? And we haven't even talked about Apple Car yet. That's a different, that's another, that's another, that's another. Let's first start with the Apple ARVR still vaporous headset you know apple has convinced people to wear computers on one part of their body the wrist not on their head and if it's really the last number that numbers i'd seen from mark german at bloomberg were like two thousand dollars most people will not buy anything for video chats that cost two thousand dollars much less something that they have to strap to their head even if it's a thousand that kind of makes it a niche product I mean, people like video calls, but that didn't get people to buy like Facebook portals or any of these other more specialized things to do that when you already have, you know, your tablet, your phone, everything else. Uh, I think what Apple should be doing, they really need to be less dependent on China. That should be just a strategic imperative. They are really heavily leveraged on that, that country. It's not a good situation for them long term, but also they need to have devices made in larger numbers than pretty much any other electronics company on Earth. So uh, I also hope that they will just stick to their knitting. They, they keep having this problem where they update a product category and then it goes stale for like two years. The Mac Mini on my desk, I'm glad I bought it two years ago because there hasn't been an upgraded model since then. Uh, the iPad Mini, that's now about a year old, no change to that. And they clearly have the money to do it. You know, maybe fewer stock buybacks. And on a personal note, can Apple please, now they're getting rid of lightning, Make a mouse that you can charge via USB-C and charge while you still use it. That's what I think people would really right. like. Right. Well, I, yeah. I, I, Rob, I agree with you. I mean, <laughs> the one thing about, uh, you know, even before Apple Silicon, and we you and I t- have talked about this many, many times before, Apple even was was not even a fast follower with uh, revving to new Intel processors when the other when the Windows guys instantaneously would, would okay, there's a new uh, round of Intel Core 9 processors. We're going to put them in our in our product line. You, ne- you never would see that on with, with Apple. Apple had its own kind of march to their own drum 
type of thing. And uh, I and I think, by the way, that's that's a bit cynical, right? Now, of course, they're they're highly dependent on Apple Silicon, and if that's not going well, that's going <laughs> to impact and nobody else to blame. Right. That's going right. to release their product cadence. John, what are yeah. your thoughts? Well, uh, there are a couple of things. One is, um, you know, I, I keep I've been saying that's for a long time. Smartphones are a legacy product. There's been no development and improvement in a smartphone for several years, and there aren't any on the horizon, right? There's nothing that's really going to revolutionize that little rectangular piece of glass and plastic in our hands. So, Stuart's right. You got to be looking at for some other product, some other thing that is going to take you forward, and they haven't come up with it yet. Neither has anybody else. So, I mean, it's not just a problem with Apple. The problem with the VR thing goes all the way back to would have been the 90s with Sony's uh, VR headset. And I remember playing a game called Descent. Oh. And so the issue they had with these VR headsets was something they called cyber sickness. And that's pretty much the problem still with every single model. It's right. so disorienting to wear one of those things, even if it sort of seems cool. And that's why people don't like it, because it does have this like head spinning effect after you've worn it for a while for everybody. There's, that's one issue, and the other issue is three words, resolution, resolution, and resolution, right? They all suck. They look terrible. You know, it's what they, they you know what, nobody wants to say it, but when you look at the this virtual reality, it's like all pixelated and not, even at 10, 1080p is not good enough. It needs to be much higher resolution. Right. So, you know, until those things happen. That, that had great resolution, a uh, Finnish company called Vario, and it, it was yeah. really impressive to sort of sit down in this virtual Aston Martin, and it seemed surrealistic. I was puzzled to see my hand sort of disappear into the seat as if it were a piece of water. <laughs> but that's also a $7,000 headset. They don't even sell it to consumers. Their market right. is actual car companies, people running flight sims. Right, and you need that kind of processing power and everything to do it on the back end of it. So you've, you're you're hanging off a big system anyway, Straight to a computer. Yeah, tethered to it. Right. Yeah. So you can't you can't do. I mean, you can technically do it, but to get it into a pair of glasses. Now there was an Israeli company that was showing their glasses off site that looked actually pretty good, and they are, say they have a deal with some major OEMs. And that deal may be hint, hint, nudge, nudge with Apple, and that may be their glasses. And they they're very small, and they look you know like a regular, um, well, fifties heavy frame pair of glasses. But so that may be possible. But this whole perception and uh, disorienting feeling of wearing these things is a serious problem that oh, yeah. you're going to encounter no matter what you do. Um, it it may take until quantum compute, computing becomes portable, essentially, to get to the processing level that you need to not only process the high resolution that you need, but also not only the high resolution, but the 360-degree view. A lot of this VR stuff is really limited to about 140, 160 degrees, which means once you start turning around you, especially for live things like the NBA, you know, once you start turning your head, there simply is not enough processing to fill all that space with 8K or whatever the resolution necessary is to give you that persistence of vision that is really required to make you feel as if you're in another world. Right. And there's the, the motion thing. There is one company, that company I mentioned, Holoride, which they track the motion of the car so that when you're moving around looking at something stationary, it tracks with the motion of the car. So it 
it basically is trying to blend in with your environment so you don't feel sick and you don't get that kind of thing happening. Right. More techniques like that to make it seem more normal, to make it seem like a really immersive experience will help. But yeah, I'm with you, Stuart. I'm pretty cynical about this happening anytime soon. If I was a company, I wouldn't be investing any money in the metaverse right now, you know, maybe three, four years from now, but not today. Well, let's let's talk about it in the few minutes we have left here. Let's talk about, I think we've addressed a lot of this so far, no. but. Here's my answer. You know, it's 2000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the answer is no. You know, again, I would just, you know, I would preface this saying that there there has to be a killer app. I agree with everything everybody said in terms of, you know, Rob, you said, hey, listen, at a certain point, no matter how magical technology is, if it's two or three thousand dollars, most of most of the world can't afford it. I mean, price elasticity is a real thing. However, if there is a company that can somehow run, you know, can somehow defy gravity, which Apple could do. I mean, they do that in smartphones. I mean, they spend they. If you look at their market share and the price bands they play at the high end, they do quite quite well. So if they do come out with some type of compelling application, and I still maintain it will some will some some really cool version of FaceTime. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I think that could move the needle. Do I think that the the, the uh, they would sell a hundred million of them? Probably no. And, that, and that's by the way, that's how I define mainstream. I don't define mainstream as a couple of million units. Is main mainstream to me is is it a three four hundred million unit market you know and you know I, I just think that it's got to to all the points that all of you guys made got a long way to go you know now I would differentiate it though by the way between glasses which if the glasses have a very narrow use case like uh, for um, you know for conference calls and really good sounding music that you could wear and you could design them in such a way that they that, that some people, it may not look like you're wearing smart glasses. Those are really not AR, VR glasses, but they're smart. Yeah, there might be some opportunity there. Uh, but in terms of any time you have to wear a gear where you have to go out in public, I think it's a, it's, it's a, it's a hard sell. It's a hard sell. Stuart, Stuart, go ahead. Why don't you chime in? Well, again, I think all the things that we have said so far all play into – um, into 2023 not being the year that this goes mainstream, even if the the killer app I don't think is interpersonal communications. I just don't. You there are there were several TV makers, for instance, this year um, that that introduced Samsung and LG now both have t- big screen TV with cameras, telehealth systems. You don't need a helmet for this. So interpersonal communications, I don't think is the killer app. I think that virtual presence is probably much more of a killer app because if you're going to go mainstream, you have to get all segments of population. And the one set of population that is going to be the most difficult to get to, which is typically the most difficult to get to, is the senior population. And if you did a virtual presence thing, if you could put, you know, grandma at somebody's wedding that they can't physically get to, that's compelling. Yes. Um, and and so I think virtual presence is probably much more of a compelling application than than interpersonal communications. There are plenty of ways to interpersonal video. People, I can't tell you how many Zoom calls I'm on, by the way, where people don't even turn on their cameras. Yes. So I think this whole idea that you'll put on a helmet to enhance your 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 business meetings is 
I, I don't think that they, I think it's got to be something other than interpersonal communications. And I'll jump in, sir. I think there's a correlation between the earlier in the day that you have a Zoom call, the higher the chances of someone um, not having their camera turned on. Especially, you know, if you're on the, when you're on the West Coast and some person schedules a call at 8 o'clock in the morning, East Coast time, do I really want to put the camera on at 5 o'clock in the morning? But I'm, wow. I'm a tech guy. I don't care what I look like. I don't care. Hey, look, I, I, I'm growing the David Letterman Memorial beer here. I don't care. Yeah, I uh, just like using the technology. I look like Letterman, and I know you well, have this kind of money. Um, the, the question I, I have for you, Rob, is the, the, uh, the, the virtual presence um, usage model that Stuart uh, highlighted is a very interesting one. And I know that deep down, you want you want to you don't want to have to buy season tickets for the Nationals because you want to have a virtual subscription. So you can say, you know what, I'm paying this. I don't need to leave my uh, my house. I can pretend as if I'm I at the ballpark. I do want to leave my house, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your is there a killer usage model, Rob? I'm still kind of struggling. I think augmented reality has a future, but on the devices we already have, you can hold this thing up. This camera gives you a view on the screen of what's around you, and you can overlay information on it, like the Flight Radar 24 app. You, if you want, if you want to see when yep. Elon's jet is going to be in the sky, where it is, you know, it'll show you right. flights in the sky. Tap on, it, you can see the tail number, the flight number, whatever. That's neat. That's already around. That technology has been in use for over a decade. Uh, it's just not every application calls for that. In terms of dedicated headwear, yeah, no, I am. I've grown more skeptical of this category. Um, yeah, and, and full-on VR. Yeah, you know, <laughs> the reason <laughs> Facebook stock has lost so much of its value because I think the market yeah. has decided this is not a good direction for the company to go in. I think Meta stock is going down in real time based on Rob's... Uh, <laughs> Rob's body I think it's down a little further. Right. <laughs> John, just to close this out, because we only have a couple minutes left, what, well, what are I mean, your remaining thoughts? I, I'm I'm laughing because there is the killer app, right? I'm I'm I, I'm I this is a family show, but there is a killer app for this. But we oh, were in Las okay. Vegas. <laughs> right. We were in the, Las Vegas. That application of which you speak has been done at previous CESs. I didn't see and that being done at this one. They've tried this before, but they're, the AVN. We're not at the right show. We're not at the right show. They, right. They still yeah. do. They still do the adult video awards ceremony, which apparently was happening in Las Vegas when we were there. But it was so low key. I was in the hotel where the awards were being given. I didn't even realize it. You know, it was like, oh, really? You um, should look up on your phone more often, uh, man. You know, that, that, <laughs> yeah, that adult, you know, that adult marketplace, uh, you know, has always been touted for, you know, maybe it could launch a new technology like it did VCRs, for example, is the, the thing that people pull out as an example. But again, you know, it's, it's really not even good enough for that. So, um, you know, I don't think this is the year for it, but I, I also, I, I have years ago, I did a popular science story where I wore one of these headsets all day long in New York City. I was attached to a huge computer that was like hanging off my back. But the, the um, you know, augmented reality aspect in a pair of glasses that I have to wear anyway, that's something that small. I think those Google glasses were not too far off the mark. If they just had the right thing, if I looked at the Empire State Building and it said, that's the Empire State Building built in blah, 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 you know, in the corner of the glasses if I wanted, I think that application 
could work, you know, if it's not too expensive. But again, not this year. You know, we don't see that technology yet. Right. One thing I think I think we we need to mention here is that we're talking about consumer applications. Right. The consumer products market is all in on AR, and they're all making very large investments. A lot of these big, you know, the Procter and Gambles of the world are making very large investments in this for virtual shopping. Uh, for being able to use your phone and see what you look like wearing certain things. You already see a lot of this in the eyeglass market. But a lot of these packaged goods companies for e-commerce applications or even, and even in-store shopping for shopping purposes is where I think you're going to get a lot of AR applications moving forward. And that may be a Pandora, a, a, um, a Trojan horse to get this technology into the consumer mindset. So I think the consumer products market for e-selling um, and having augmented reality for selling purposes, for sizing, see what I look like in this dress, see what this piece of furniture looks like in my house. You're going to see a lot more of this going forward as a way of perhaps um, introducing the consumer to some of these technologies. Yeah, does this well, guys? We're gonna have to wrap it up there. We are now. (laughs) As much as I'd like to continue this dialogue, and I have a feeling that we'll be talking about VRAR again at least once during our podcast for the (laughs) year. But listen, guys, listen. Thanks for taking the time to join me for today's podcast. For our viewing and listening audience, please make the Smart Tech Check podcast part of your day or commute. Please make sure that you hit the like and subscribe buttons at the end of today's podcast, and don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Mark Vina Tech Guy. And until next time, have a great week and talk to you guys soon.